today we're going to begin our study of 2 John. And you may ask, how long can a study be of 13 verses? And the answer is longer than today. So we'll begin looking at it today and we'll just see what the Lord shows us as we go through it. Um, I do want to, uh, once you find your place in uh, 2 John, if you will, uh, use your ribbon to keep your place there and then turn back to Proverbs chapter 2. Proverbs chapter 2. Proverbs chapter 2. Proverbs chapter 2 has had a tremendous impact on my life and on my preaching and teaching and on my ability to minister to those that come for counseling. Uh, I want to express this because the message this morning, uh, we're going to begin our look at 2 John by just looking at the words that are in 2 John. What I mean by that is we'll, we'll read it together, but then what we'll do is we'll just see what stands out. We'll look at some words and just see these words are kind of prominent. These words seem to be said over and over again. Um, I was thinking about it. We have different text circles uh, in our church uh, where we send verses to each other and stuff like that. There's one text circle called uh, Tech Talk. Tech Talk, that's what the circle is actually called. I think James named it. And, uh, and it's used by James and Mitch and I and a few others to discuss things that we need having to do with the technical aspects of the ministry here, having to do with the AV ministry or the IT ministry, things like that. And so if you went to the Tech Talk uh, Tech Circle, that's hard to say, isn't it? Tech Talk Tech Circle, and uh, looked at the words, you would find words that many of you would say, I don't understand what these words are, what they mean. Because they're, they are technical words that have to do with the uh, abilities of different equipment, the different uh, types of equipment that we would be using and comparing one to another. Basically, it's to help us to understand what's going on and what we need to go as we continue to go forward. So if you just looked at the words, you'd say, I don't really understand everything here, but it's obvious that whoever's in this circle cares a great deal about uh, equipment and technology, that type of a thing. But those same men are in another circle that's called Proverbs. And if you went to that text group, you'd find completely different words because the focus is different. There you'd find passage after passage after passage after passage that has been shared and the things that have been seen from that passage by those who share it. And so when you read a letter, when you read an article, when you watch anything, you can have a, an idea of what it is that's being conveyed if you just stop and examine the words. Now, we happen to live in an age that can be done. A young Christian, I've, I've always, I, I, I'm sure it's the engineer in me, but as a young Christian, I found that I would find myself wanting to find out what are the prominent words in this book as I'm studying. In other words, what words does God use over and over and over again? Because that helps me to understand what is his focus here? What, is he, what does he want our attention to be on? And so now, now with just a few keyboard strokes, I can take an entire book, put it into basically a formula that I've created, and it will take all of that and, and it will make a chart for me. This is the most dominant word in, in, in the text you're looking at, both in the English or in the Hebrew. And I can look at these and say, ah, Look what God is trying to focus our attention on. By the way, you want to know what God is always trying to focus our attention on? Himself. Himself. It's going to be true also of the book that we're going to be looking at. He's always wanting us to see Him and His Son. Always, the Father wants you to see the Son. The Father wants you, but just, just exact, just as I am, without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. Yes? 
I come. I come. I've got nothing else. I, I, I need no other argument. I need no other plea. But, but that the blood was shed and that it was shed for me. That's it. That's all I need. All I need is the blood of Christ to be cleansed from my sin. All I need is the power of God to change my life. Religion won't change your life. Church won't change your life. Jesus can change your life. Jesus has done so much for so many. He's done so much in my life, many of your lives, and we testify. We do not testify to the power of assembly, although the Bible is very clear that we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. But we don't assemble because we think we can help each other. We assemble because of the power of the Word of God. We assemble because of the God that gave us His Word. We're, we have gathered here together today because Jesus is Jesus is who he says he is. And as we look into the word of God, we find this to be true and we realize how much we can trust him. We also realize week after week after week after week how hard it is in ourselves to just trust him. Boy, how much we want to trust us. Amen. I don't mean I want to trust you. I mean, I want to trust me. You want to trust you. And God wants to set us free from that. God wants us to set us free from trusting ourselves and then trusting him instead. Now, uh, Proverbs chapter 2. Proverbs chapter 2. I want you to, if you have a pen and you circle things, I want you to uh, circle a couple of words for me. In verse 1, the third, <coughs> third word in the verse, my son, if. Circle the if there, please. Then go down to verse 3. Yeah. Circle that if also. And put a box around the word or circle, however you want to. The word then. And then go to verse 9 and circle, put a box around the word then. Then. If then. Now again, as an engineer, I, I, I wrote software. And uh, the if then construct just stood out to me many, 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 many years ago. If this, then that. So here's what God is saying. Let's just read it and let him speak for himself. My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom, and apply thine heart to understanding. Yea, if thou criest after knowledge, and liftest up thy being, if thou seekest her as silver, and searchest for her as for hid treasure, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord, and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord giveth wisdom. Out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. He layeth up sound wisdom for the righteous. He is a buckler to them that walk uprightly. He keepeth the paths of judgment and preserveth the way of his saints. Then shalt thou understand righteousness and judgment and equity, yea, every good path. They're tremendous. And the only requirement are the ifs at the beginning. Now, I want to look at the ifs together. I want you to notice the progression of these ifs. It begins this way, my son. Notice, by the way, that God is speaking to us as children. He's speaking to us as his children. And he says, my son, if thou wilt receive my words. Now, let me, let me, um, let me, let me do this. This is the easiest way for me to be able to, to uh, make this example. Okay, so I can say to Jeff, Jeff just happens to be sitting over here in the front, um, Jeff, receive this bulletin. Now, there's really no reason. He probably already has one of these. There's no reason for him to do it. But in order for him to receive the bulletin, if I said to him, Jeff, if you'll receive this bulletin, and then whatever the then was, I could tell him later, but whatever that was, 
what would be required of him to receive the bulletin? Now, by the way, I made it. I made. I said, if thou receive the bulletin. But what I would be saying if I stood here would be if you'd come up and get it. But that's not what God is saying. What God is saying. If you'll receive the bulletin, you see what it required? Just a willingness to take it. See, God has done everything that needs to be done. Everything. When God says, if you'll receive my words, he doesn't say, if you will figure them out. He just said, hey, could I hand this to you? Would you let me give you my words? Would you let me help you with this? Notice that's the first, that's the first step. Are you willing to receive what God would give you? Are you willing to receive what God would give you? There's a progression, and I want you to see the receiving of it at the beginning. It says, if thou wilt receive my words and, and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thine heart to understanding. Now, so what does it look like to receive it? You know, it's interesting because I, I chose the bulletin and I gave it to Jeff. And so now what it says is this, if you'll receive it and then keep it, right? Hide my commandments with thee. So if you'll take it and keep it. But it says more than that. And incline thine ear unto it. Now, what does it mean to incline your ear? It's interesting. Brother Ray Reynoso has new and improved hearing aids. And his hearing aids have an app. So he can open his phone up. I don't know which way he turned the volume when I started preaching, whether, you know, whether he turned it up to listen more closely or turned it down so he could rest back there where he's sitting. But he has this power to, uh, and, and, and the difference is this. He said, I can hear you much better now, preacher. And you can tell when someone can't hear you well, but wants to hear you by the way they incline their head towards you when you're talking. If someone can't hear you well, but wants to, what will they do? They will turn their, you ever been at a restaurant and talking to somebody? Almost any restaurant we go to today, they decide that we should have a certain volume of music, which makes conversation almost impossible. Now, I don't know if that's really true if I'm just getting old, but it just seems like the older I get, the louder the music is. Amen? It's like, for, I guess part of it is I just don't want to hear it. You know what I'm saying? You could turn that off if you would, please. I would be content if you turn that off. But if you want to have a conversation with someone in a restaurant and you want to hear what they're saying, you find yourself leaning over and leaning in and turning one side or the other. In my case, it's my left side. I hear better with my left side. And you turn that ear toward that person so that you can hear. This is what God is saying. I want to give you something. Would you take it and hold it close and lean in so you can get it? That's it. But there is a progression from there. The second one is in verse 3. It says, Yea, if thou criest after knowledge, and liftest up thy voice for understanding. We have, uh, my wife and I are on a diet. I think, it was, I think it's, it's actually a way of life change. What I mean by that is a diet is something you do until you stop doing it. A way of life change is supposed to make us healthy. That's the idea. And, and, and Lord knows we need to be more healthy. And so there's a uh, specific um, frozen treat that fits into our diet plan. I, don't, I think Breyers makes it. Is that right? I don't know. Anyway, here's, anyway I, I, I'm not gonna, that's not the point of the conversation. There's an ice cream that I'm allowed to have, okay? I'm allowed to have an ice cream. Not just any ice cream. And, God, and the Lord knows I love, I love ice cream. I really do. And, um, but I'm allowed to have certain ice cream. Now, it says, if thou criest after knowledge. 
Now, there are a lot of things on this diet I can have all that I want. Amen? But most of it I don't cry after. Right? <laughs> can I have some more of that, that, that soup that's supposed to cleanse your entire body? No. No, I don't want any more of that. Right? Don't really cry out after that. But the ice cream, I might be inclined to say, hey, would it be all right if I had another one of those ice creams? I believe the response to that is no. So then I have to wait for my wife to go to bed and eat another ice cream. Don't tell her that I do that, though. But there are things that we will, listen, there are, thi- there are things that are, that are wonderful to us, and we'll ask for more. Can I have some more of that? And what God wants, the thing that he wants to give you is himself and his word to your heart. And his desire is that when you have it, that your response would be, could I have some more of that? That's the, that's the, that's the second if. Could I have some more of that? Lift up your voice. Say, Lord, would you meet me where I am and help me? I, I, think, I don't think that what you gave me is enough because I don't understand it. I don't understand it. I don't understand it. I'm not entering into it. It's not making the change in my life that I think you want to make. Would you help me? Would you help me more? Would you meet me here? And his answer is, yeah, I will. If you'll, if you'll cry out, I'll help you. And the last one says, if thou searchest or seekest her, if thou seekest her as for silver and searchest for her as for hid treasure. Now, I've used this analogy a lot and talked about the fact that if we found out here in the Hampton Roads area that back during the Civil War that somebody buried, um, you know, a million dollars in gold in Norfolk or Virginia Beach or Portsmouth or Chesapeake or Suffolk, depending upon which one you live in. And we don't know where, but we do know that it's in Virginia. I live in Virginia Beach. We don't know where it is, but we know there's gold buried somewhere in Virginia Beach. I promise you I would get a metal detector and, do, and scan my whole yard. And maybe my neighbor's yard just a little bit. Amen? Do you understand? And if I, and if I got a beep, 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 I'd dig even if, I, even if it was a tin can when I got to that point. Do you understand? Do you realize if I thought it was valuable enough, I would exert tremendous effort and dig a hole and find out what was in the hole if it was valuable to me. So here's what God says. It begins, God says, let me give you my word. And then he says, and if, and if when I give it to you, if you'll hold it close and lean in and listen, it'll help you. And when you realize you need more of it, if you'll cry out, I'll give more of it to you. And then he goes one more step. And this is really where we start to mature. And if you start digging into it on your own, you'll find valuable truth that will help you all the days of your life. Then thou shalt understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Somewhere else in the Bible it says, you shall seek me and you shall find me. Can anybody help me add to that? Right, when you seek me with your whole heart. You shall seek me, and you shall find me when you seek me with your whole heart. You want to know why people don't find God? Because they're not looking for him. If you will wholeheartedly look for God, he will be found, because he wants to be found. And he says, if you'll just let me give you my word, and lean in and listen, I will make it in such a way that you'll recognize, oh, I need more of this. I need more of this, and I need more of your help, and then I'll ask for it. And then I will realize, you know what? This is profitable. This is valuable, and I'll begin to dig into it. And you say, now, why are you saying all of this? I'm saying all of this because every time we study the Word of God, every time we open the book, any book, in the Word of God, all 66 books, as we study the Word of God, which is really one book with one focus, from Genesis all the way to Revelation, God wants us to see the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And he wants us to see something about him in each book specifically. That's why there are the specific books. But it begins by this. First, there's exposure. First, there's exposure. And then there is familiarizing yourself with it. And then there's study or digging into it. So let me ask you this question. Just where you sit right now, how much of the Word of God have you been exposed to? How much of it have you read? How much of it has been read in your presence? How much of the Word of God have have you been exposed to? But then let me ask you this. How much are you familiar with? How much of it could you quote? How much of it do you understand better than that? And then how many times have you sat down by yourself with an open Bible and studied? He said, well, that's your responsibility. And I would say, yes, it is my responsibility. But long before the Lord called me to be a pastor, it was my desire to study the Word of God, not so that I could preach or teach, just because I wanted to be closer to Him. Just because I wanted a more deep and personal relationship with Him. You do realize that God cares, I said at the beginning when I was praying, God cares nothing for religious activity. He does not care one bit about religious activity. He does not care that you got dressed up and came to church today. What He cares about is that you want to meet with Him. Amen? We've come together today because of who Jesus actually is. That's why we've come together. That's the only reason I'm here. The only reason that I went into the ministry is because God called me into the ministry, and the only reason He called me into the ministry is He said, I want you to stop being an engineer, and I want to give all of your life to telling people how great my son is. And that was easy for me because I knew how great His son is was to me. I knew what I was. I knew how much He'd forgiven me. I knew how much He had changed me. I knew how powerful His Word is and how much the Holy Ghost had changed my life. And so all I want to do today, all I ever want to do is to open the Word of God together and say, just trust God at His Word. Just trust God at His Word. I'm not asking you to trust me. I'm not asking you to trust our church. I'm asking you to trust God who loves you at His own Word. And that's it. So this morning, turn back to 2 John. And we're only going to be here for a couple of minutes. We're, we're largely done. But what I want to do this morning is to introduce. I'm not gonna, we're not going to talk about this book's place in your Bible this morning. We're not going to talk about the books that come before it or the books that come after it. We will do that at some point in the study. But all I want to do this morning is to focus on some words together. Let's read it together again. It's 13 verses. Not very much. Let's read it together. You follow along as I read aloud. Reading this will take longer than I'm going to preach on it, okay? So just pay attention. The elder unto the elect lady and her children, whom I love in the truth, and not I only, but also all they that have known the truth, for the truth's sake, which dwelleth in us and shall be with us forever. Grace be with you, mercy and peace from God the Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. I rejoice greatly that I found of thy children walking in truth, as we have received a commandment from the Father. And now I beseech thee, lady, not as though I write a new commandment unto thee, but that which was from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is the love as that, that we walk, excuse me, and this is love, that we walk after his commandments. This is the commandment, that as ye have heard from the beginning, ye should walk in it. For many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. 
This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. But he that abideth in the doctrine of Christ hath both the Father and the Son. If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him Godspeed. For he that biddeth him Godspeed is partaker of his evil deeds. Having many things to write unto you, I would not write with paper and ink, but I trust to come unto you and to speak face to face that our joy may be full. The children of thy elect sister greet thee. Amen. Now, as we read through this this time, I wonder, in your own uh, reading, did anything stick out? Did any words stick out? Well, that word showed up more than once. That word showed up more than once. That word showed up more than once. I don't know what showed up more than once to you. I do know what has showed up more than once to me because I have a very well-colored piece of paper right here. And so I'm going to point out to you the words that do stand out. As I said, again, now, as I said, with a computer, I can do this with the book of Isaiah. But the book of Isaiah would take me longer to do by hand. This book I did by hand. I just read through it many, 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 many times. And every time one word stood out to me, oh, that's, that's at least twice. I would start going through and finding all of the occurrences of it and say, wow, look how many times this word shows up. So here's the words that show up. Now, what you realize, again, going back to what I said, you can tell what somebody's talking about by the words that they use when they talk. Now, what I want you to notice, I want you to notice the words God, Father, Lord, Jesus, Christ, and Son. They show up over and over and over. And by the way, if you count God, Father, Lord, Jesus, Christ, and Son, you'll find that that is the dominant, the dominant words that show up in this book. So once again, as we just let the words speak for themselves, what is the primary focus that God wants us to have as you study 2 John? And the answer is God. That's the, prim the primary focus that God wants you to have as you're studying 2 John is not commandment, not doctrine, though those are important, not love, not children, though those are important. It is God himself. What God, where does God want your heart, mind, and focus? And the answer is on God himself. That's what you need. That's what I need. Now, I, I told you there were some other words that stand out. Turn, uh, at the beginning of the, uh, of, of, the, of the chapter, in verse 1, we see the word love. Also in verse 3, we see the word love. Also in verse 5, we see the word love. Also in verse 6, we see the word love. Now, so we recognize that once again, once again, in the Word of God, love is a primary focus. Again, the, the, on the back of the wall there, it says now the end, the, the goal. The end of the commandment is charity, love, agape love. Out of a pure heart, a good conscience, and faith unfeigned. The goal in our lives, what is God trying to accomplish in our lives? And the answer is that we would love as God loves. That you and I would live a life where we were selflessly caring about the people that we're around all the time, that we would treat no one like they're our enemy, even if they don't like us, even if they hate us, even if they want to hurt us, that what we would do for them is cause them to understand, you don't have to be like this. I used to be just like you, and Jesus rescued me from that. Amen? 
Because God wants to rescue everyone from their selfishness and their malice and their confusion and their hurt and their hate. And, our, and America needs rescue. But she's not going to be rescued because you're better than your neighbor is. You're not better than your neighbor is. Even if God has changed your life, you're not better than your neighbor. Jesus is awesome. You're saved. You're not better. You may be different. You may not do the things that you used to do. Thankful that you don't do those things, but you are not superior to anybody else. None of us are superior. Jesus is superior. He's the only one that can judge, and he has chosen to forgive. Everyone that will ask him, everyone, right? All that come unto me, I will in no wise cast out. No one will come to Christ honestly and be rejected. Praise God for that. That's the message. That's the message in this book. Love, again, is the focus. Notice how it's worded, by the way. It says, um, let's read verse 5. And now I beseech thee, lady, not as though I wrote unto you a new commandment unto thee, but that which was from the beginning, that we, what? Love one another. And this is love, that we walk after his commandments, This is the commandment that as you have heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. So what you recognize is this, and we're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about this a lot as we continue to study this book. But what you'll recognize is somehow the commandments of God and love go together. Again, the verse, 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. Now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart, a good conscience and faith. What is the point of all Bible study? What is the point of us assembling together? And the answer is that we might know the love of God, that the love of God might change us, that we might love one another. Amen? It's really that simple, that we might know the love of God, that you'd receive forgiveness, that you'd receive the forgiveness that you need because you very much are guilty of sin. You are guilty, I am guilty, we are all guilty. And and if you'll just be honest about that, God will rescue you from that. All you gotta do is be honest. You don't, you, you do not have to do anything except be honest. I am guilty. I need you to rescue me. Please forgive me. Rescue me by your own blood. Pay for my sins. Amen. That's all that God wants, right? Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. I come. Lord Jesus, I come. That's all he's ever asked. But then to know because of the greatness of God's love to you and forgiveness to begin to walk with him and to learn just how awesome and and gracious listen god is great and powerful and mighty and holy he is but he's also good and kind and long-suffering and patient now if he were just powerful he'd still be powerful he'd still be bigger than you you understand what i'm saying if god were just mighty you could do nothing about the fact that he's more mighty than you are but praise god he's not just mighty Satan is mighty. Do you understand what I'm saying? There are men that are more mighty than you are, but God is mightiest of all, and he loves you. And if he be for you, who can be against you? Amen? With with God, one is a majority. That's all that matters. Now listen, there's a lot of things that people on this earth can do to you, but they cannot touch your soul. Do you understand? Your soul, only God can touch your soul. 
And God wants to rescue your soul from the sins that you've committed. He does not want to have to bring judgment upon you. Judgment is his to bring. You have earned that judgment. He didn't make you do any of the terrible things that you've done. You chose to do the terrible things you've done, but he wants to forgive you of those terrible things. And then instead of you having to be filled with guilt and shame, you can be filled with peace and joy. You can know the love of Christ. You can experience the forgiveness. I'll tell you, from the moment my sins were forgiven, this is all that I knew. I did not understand much at all the day that I was saved. But here's what I understood. I have peace with God. God is no longer my judge. He is now on my side. Here's what I came to learn later. He was always on my side. My sins separated me from us being on the same side together. He always wanted to rescue me. God is not willing that any should perish but that all should come unto repentance. God does not want to meet anybody here this morning as judge. But you will die eventually. And if you die in your sins, if you die without receiving Christ's payment for your sins, you'll have to pay for him yourself. And you can't afford that payment. So God says, please repent. Please repent. But he wants you not only to know that forgiveness, he wants you to so experience it that you begin to understand nobody, nobody owes you anything like you owed God. Do you understand? You, you have no debt in my life that's anything like what I owe God. So why would I hold it against you? Right? Again, the phrase that I often use is, you owe me a buck ninety-five, and I owe God a million dollars. He forgave me my million dollars. Why would I charge you your dollar ninety-five? Whatever you have done to me, I forgive you. Do you understand? I have no reason to hold it against you. I have no reason to talk to anybody else about it. I have, I just, all I have to do is say, yes, they're just like me. They're failures. We're just like each other. But Jesus has shown us what forgiveness is. So we see love and we see the commandment. We see how they, they go together here. So what I want you to notice is, now notice at the beginning, the first uh, four verses have the word truth in it five times. You can see it. It's in verse 1 twice, it's in verse 2, it's in verse 3, and it's in verse 4. Truth. So truth matters. Yes or no? Truth matters. There is an absolute truth. There is. 1 plus 1 is? Good for you. All right. Anybody else? Did she the only one that knew the answer, or the rest of you just didn't care? I'm a little worried. I really was thinking I'd get more twos out of that. I'm really glad at least nobody yelled three. So that's really, really good. One plus one is two is an absolute truth. I was drawn to the word of God, not because of the, of the uh, tone or the, or the um, how do I say it, or the subject matter originally. I was drawn to the word of God because what I found when I was reading the word of God is that it was precise, that it was accurate, and that it did not. Let's look at this. Look at this. No contradictions. Written over thousands of years on many continents, no contradictions. You want to know why? Because it has one author, and that's the Holy Ghost. So there are no contradictions. It is, it, you know, Dr. Smith and I talked about this many, many times. The more you study your Bible, the more precise you will realize your Bible is. You will be amazed at how this makes reference to this, and this makes reference to that, and how it all goes together. It is perfect math, if you understand what I'm saying, when you're studying your Bible. It's amazing how true that is. Because truth matters to God. Truth matters to God. It's not ambiguous. It's not just warm and fuzzy. Oh, peace, be still. It's all wonderful. Kumbaya, it's great, it's great. 
And there's nothing wrong with Kumbaya, you know. I mean, I, honestly, one of my favorite songs before I was saved was Lean On Me. Lean on me when you're not strong, right? You want to know why? Because next week I'm going to need to lean on you. And by, guess what? There's a lot of biblical truth in that. None of us are able by ourselves to live the life in which we're living. And what you want, what God wants us to understand is there is importance in having the truth of the Word of God. I don't know if you guys have followed at all the, um, you know, the lead up to the election at the end of this year. It's tough. Who's being honest? And here's what I've come to realize. God. God. Amen. Praise God, I'm not going to be here very long. Amen. I used to be able to, tra- I traveled a lot and when I as, a, as an engineer, and now I travel a lot as a, as, a, as a pastor. And one of the things I've come to realize is how glad I am I live in the United States of America. But I'm getting less and less glad to live in the United States of America. But what I've come to realize is this is not my home. I'm just passing through. Amen? I have a completely different citizenship now than I was born. I was born as a citizen of the United States of America, and now I'm a citizen of heaven. And Jesus purchased that citizenship for me. Amen? So that's what, that's what it is. Realize, we're living here now, but the things that are around us that are not true, they're not true. You don't have to pretend that they are. You don't have to be mean about it, though, either. You don't have to fight. You don't have to, you don't have to argue. You don't have to fuss. You don't have to whine. You don't have to complain. And you don't have to be mean to your neighbor just because you don't agree with your neighbor. You can love everybody. And you can invite them to have something better, a citizenship of heaven. And say, Jesus really loves you, and he wants to rescue you from you, just like he rescued me from me. That's what God wants us to understand. Truth. Truth is here. Now, again, we're almost done. Commandment. Commandment. I said I'd be done. Well, I I, I didn't mean to lie to you. I'm taking a little longer than I did to read the passage. Thank you. The rest of you can leave. Amanda will stay, and I'll finish the sermon. And our dear sister that can count to two. The two of them. Two of them can stay. So we see the word truth. We see the word love. We see the word commandment. Commandment, 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 commandment. Doctrine, 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 doctrine. We see these words throughout this also. Commandment, doctrine, and truth. So listen, it does matter. It does matter. It does matter what you believe. It does matter what you believe. There are so many churches preaching so much garbage. Do you understand? It isn't about what I think. It isn't about what we think. It's about what does the Word of God say? Yes? You want sound doctrine? Open your Bible. You want trustworthy truth? Open your Bible. You want to know what God commands of you? Open your Bible. And by the way, what does He command of you? That you love. That's what He commands of you. They're tied together. Truth, doctrine, commandment, and love are tied together. It's what God is wanting to accomplish in our lives. The last thing, and this will be the end this morning. The last thing I want you to notice Starting in verse 7, we're introduced to deceivers. Deceivers. Deceiver, deceiver, antichrist, transgressor, abideth not evil deeds. There are those who do not want to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. They do not want to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. There are those who do not even want to believe that he exists. That's prominent in America right now, right? Our poor children... In the school system, in the government school systems, are being taught that they are an accident. That they are basically an evolved animal, and they behave themselves like it. And whose fault is it? It's not their fault. It is their fault, ultimately, because they don't have to believe this, but they're being lied to by adults over and over and over and over again. Children are not accidents. They were born on purpose, for a purpose, by a God who loves them wonderfully. And And it's really wonderful to be able to tell children Listen, there's a God that created you, and he loves you. 
You are not an accident. And, and, and they may say, yes, but my life has very much difficulty in it. Your life does because you live in a very wicked world right now. There will be difficulties in our lives. There will be tribulation. There will be much difficulty in our lives because we, li- we as sinners live in a sinful world. But God is greater than all of that. He will rescue all of our children if they will let him rescue them. That's the message. That's why we have Sunday school. That's why we have Wednesday night uh, time with children. Why do we bring them? Why do we talk to them? Because we want them to know how wonderful Jesus is also. Amen? But there are those that would lie. And by the way, these liars are not out there. These liars were in here. And lying. And what are they lying about? Primarily, they lie about who Jesus is. That's the only attack Satan has. Do you understand that? The only attack Satan has, the only real attack, the rest of it's just noise. But the only real attack that Satan has in your life is, yea, hath God said. To cause you to doubt what God says. If it, Listen, when you doubt, just open the word. That's it. When you have difficulty, just open the word. When you have a hard question, when people will come to see me, and they will ask me questions that when they come to see me and ask me, they're like, I have a question I'd like to ask you, Pastor. And when they ask the question, they ask it as if what my response is going to be is, oh, I've never thought of that. I don't have any idea what the answer to that question is. That's a hard question. There are many hard questions. And God is not afraid of any of the hard questions. Right? Why did my grandmother die? She was such a help in my life. She was such a blessing to me. Why did she die? Ask him. You understand? God is not up there. Boy, I sure hope no one's really paying attention. It's like, it's like the Wizard of Oz. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Right? God is not the man behind the curtain. God is a very real God and he really loves you. He knows why things are happening in your life. Ask him. If you'll ask him, he'll talk to you about it. Do you understand? Please ask him and open the word of God so he can tell you. Let the word of God teach you. Recognize Don't let anybody tell you anything that's not in the Bible. Don't. Don't. That's why you need to... Faith cometh by... You need to trust what God says. Right? All I've wanted to do, all we've done together this morning is we looked at a few words. We looked at a few words together. Now we're going to start studying the book together. What I wanted you to see is what are the dominant words in this text. And what you'll find is this. The dominant words have to do with God. They have to do with love. And they have to do with truth. And what we're going to see is God wants us to understand that that matters in your life. It always has and it always will. Stand with me if you would. You're invited. 48 to 28. You're invited to go back. Um, by the way, if you're 48 to 28. 48 to 90. I'm sorry. I don't, thank you. I don't know why they let me talk. John's not here. He couldn't make the announcements. Um, I was going to say, if you're 48 to 98 here, and you have children that are younger than 48, they can go eat with you. It's okay. <laughs> some of us, you know, some of you got old and still have kids. You know what I'm saying? That's how it works out. Please go back and enjoy the time together. Um, come back tonight, uh, Lord willing. Come back tonight. We'll look into uh, the book of Romans together tonight, and we'll ask the Lord to bless us and help us. Father, thank you for giving us this time. Lord, I thank you that your word is quick, it's alive, and powerful. And that really means that it moves through everywhere and does what needs to be done. Thank you that your word can accomplish what none of us can. 
And that is it can save souls and it can change lives. It can work in every single heart. And your word will never return unto you void. It will always accomplish what you send it forth to do. Lord, I take great comfort in that, knowing that it's not up to me to do anything other than to expose what you say. And Lord, you are the one that wants to work on the hearts because you're the one that loves us. Thank you for giving us this time together. Please meet the need of every heart. Lord, save souls that need to be saved. If there's anything any of us can do to help an unsaved person that's here this morning that would be honest with themselves and say, I need this Christ, that we would say, yes, let me help you. Lord, we can't save anybody, but we can point them to you. We thank you for your goodness and your grace and your love. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 